Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mission 300 podcast. If you haven't listened to the last episode, you really have to. I mean, legally, you are obligated to listen to the last episode before we get into this one because we are building off of what we discussed in the last episode. As you may have noticed, if, you, if you've been listening to this uh, podcast for a while, we tend to do that with things. And so what we want to do here is kind of continue the discussion we started in the previous one, but not just to continue the topic, but we've talked about habits a lot. And there's some interesting conversations we were having before we hit the big red button to record tonight. And without something deeper connecting you to the things you do, then all these habits and all these disciplines and all these systems, they really don't mean very much. Or if they do mean something, they won't last very long if it's not connected and rooted in something deeper inside of you. Um, I don't know if what exactly we're going to share from the pre-show or anything, but it, it, there's just this deep need that we be connected to something, even just as individuals, but also in Christianity. If we don't have that, then all we're left with is, well, I have my accountability group so I can kind of just manage my life or I manage my things at work. I manage my relationships because I have to and because it's the right thing to do. But really, that tends to lose a lot of its power and a lot of its drive if that's the only reason we have. So we want to get into that tonight. And David had something really interesting that he wanted to bring up to dive into this topic. Well, when it comes to direction and knowing where you want to be in the Bible or where you want to be in life or what maybe God's will for your life is for the future, uh, it's a topic that I've thought about a lot and I've heard certain messages and stuff on it and i think trying to find where you're going is by romans 12 says that if you give yourself as a holy and living sacrifice acceptable to god in your which is your spiritual worship do not be conformed to the world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind uh that by testing you may discern what is the will of God for your life, right? That is good and acceptable and perfect. And so if you back on the line where if you fully seek God and give everything to him, become a fully living sacrifice to God, then you will find God's perfect will for your life. And uh it's also stated in like Colossians, how uh, Paul in Colossians, like verse nine and through 12, Paul is praying that the people will discover God's will for their life as something that you have to, you have to find by giving yourself off as a living and holy sacrifice. That's how I see finding direction. If you don't know your direction, then you follow that. What was that reference about testing? to find um that by testing you may discern the will of god that was really interesting what what verse is that from uh romans 12 1 through 2 so david can you kind of give an example of what this actually looks like um i think that would be a real helpful like what what did like how have you put this into practice um, how have you seen it put into practice? Um, what are some models or pictures that we could see of how this actually looks? I kind of see giving yourself as a sacrifice and seeking God as 
one and the same. So if you're seeking after God, you're giving yourself off as a living sacrifice and giving everything to him. Because seeking means like you're actually putting everything, like you're seeking with all your heart, as it says in Jeremiah 29, like 10 or 11 or something. I think it's 10. I'm not sure. But it says like seek after God with all your heart. And I think that's the same as giving yourself off as a living sacrifice. And how I see finding God's will for your life, you'll eventually learn how, how God talks and how to hear him and things like that and know your direction. Would it be safe to say that it's actually easier to hear God's voice? It's easier to see some of the things um, that are promised to us in our relationship with God when you're actually going after it and i i think what you just said too i think in that idea of sacrifice how you just explained when you're seeking something with all your heart you're not thinking of anything else but the thing that you're seeking so everything else pales i think sometimes with the picture of christianity we say that's a good thing but in the reality is i don't think we're really seeking after god we still tend to fall back on well, I just want God to make my life better. I, I want him to come and do something in my life that I plan. So you're still seeking your own life, but then we want God to just interject himself to make that path better. And according to what you just read, that is, it's contrary to that. And I, Jesus said three or four times in all the gospels that you can't find your life until you lose it. So there has to be something that is exchanged in the process. And I think we can tie all this into habits um, that we have been talking about because I don't know about you, but habits don't really mean something after a while if there's not an objective to why you're doing the habit to begin with. Like just to be good or just to be um, kind or just to have this idea about yourself so you can live better in your community or whatever there's still something missing in that if there's not a higher objective and i think that's why we end up pushing the bible away we find new things to connect to we minimize the greatest thing that's been given to us because we don't put ourselves into a place where it becomes the most important thing So in a way, what you described is almost like the finding your why. Can you guys give an example? I mean, what do you guys think about that? Is that is that showing true in your life? In essence, what what gives you the meaning of why you're doing what you're doing? Yeah, I think that's really big. I think it's almost like, what is your focus? Because in the past, when I've tried to create habits, and it's like, oh, I know this is good for me. I know this is what I should do to make myself better. I know like this will improve my life. It almost hasn't been like enough motivation. Like in some cases it's there's things you need to do like creating habits of like brushing your teeth because that's good for you. But like on the bigger scheme of things, like I think finding something outside of yourself, like what you guys are saying, like an objective or like, like what God has called you to do, I think the habits almost become like these tools or things that are just necessary to do. Not like you're doing them for yourself. You're doing them for like a different reason that's more important than just like doing good habits because it's a good thing to do. It's like when you find something that's beyond 
your current like capacity, but you're going to create habits or change like things in your lifestyle because you're trying to do this thing. I think that makes it much more motivating and more powerful too, because you'll have like an internal reason that's pushing you more than just because it's a good thing to do. So I think in my life, whenever I thought like, oh, it's just a good thing to do, it hasn't been enough. And I think there has to be like a bigger reasoning behind it outside of myself in a sense, because that motivates me so much more to accomplish it because I can see that the habit is going to help me like accomplish a goal or change me into what I need to be for, you know, something in the future. I noticed this um, when it came to studying the Bible. Now I grew up in a Christian school, went to church, went to a Christian university. I did junior Bible quiz for you weirdos who know what that is. And so I had every structure around me to build in habits of consistently reading the Bible. But when it came to, well, I don't have it in a class, like if I'm in college at one point and I'd not taking a Bible class one semester, then I have no reason to read it or study it because I've done that. And for whatever reason, all those systems and habits were not long-term because they weren't built into me. I didn't have the, like there wasn't something connecting it to me. It was always connected to, I need to do this. And I was very good at it, but it was always connected to, I needed to do it for this class. I need to do it for this, um, you know, youth group thing we're doing. I have to do it for this. And it wasn't until I, I didn't, I wouldn't say I stepped away from that, but it wasn't until I saw some things in the word that made it, and for lack of a less cliche phrase, become so alive and meaningful to me because it revealed my identity and the identity of my father. Then something sparked in me to where you could not stop me from studying it and not just studying it, but I want to get into word study. I want to start learning Hebrew and Greek. I want to start writing commentaries. I want to start teaching Bible studies. All those things just flowed out from that new thing. And it wasn't because I had the right habit or system in place around me. It was because there was something that connected internally to who I am and the habits and systems formed out of that, that, that lasted. Like I'll be doing this for the rest of my life now. Um, one thing that I want to, maybe if you guys can help clarify we're not, you know, ex being externally motivated is very limiting as well. So we're talking about being inspired or there's a sense of hope. So it's coming from the inside, but it's attaching to a bigger picture beyond us. So there, how would you guys define that versus, oh, I got to be motivated because I have a test on Thursday. Or I need to be motivated because I got a work deadline. So I need to get that done for the work deadline. That doesn't carry the same weight either. So how, how do you find this, this place of meaning? And where do you begin? And I think that's the biggest thing is a lot of people have pursued finding what your purpose is, right? There's a whole book on it. But there's something uh, missing in just finding, searching for a purpose, because people don't know how to define it. Like, it's so vague. So maybe, David, you could touch a little bit more of, there's something to the point of choosing to seek something. If you've ever seen, there's this one movie called Whiplash, and I don't know if it's a good 
habit or good practice to think about it the way I thought about it because it can be a bad mindset in a way but there's this movie called Whiplash and it's about this drummer and he wants to put everything into becoming one of the greats or like one of like there's these really great drummers and he puts everything into wanting to be one of the greats and literally spends like hour like so many hours every day or whatever to become one of the greats and the way i've kind of seen it is instead of having like say for example in drumming you'd have what's his name on the wall you'd kind of instead i guess jesus would be the ult jesus or paul or one of those people would be the ultimate greats but it's kind of hard to picture who they were and everything how they lived just by the bible which is <laughs> you can take this wrong but like if you kind of have your thought process i want to be like blank like john g lake or uh billy graham or who knows whoever you see as like one of the greats if you say i want to be that and then you look at what they did to get there and how they pursued God to get there. That's kind of how I've seen it. And I've, I want to do the same thing to get where they're at. Right. And so. But that brings us back to the initial question is what made you choose a character or an idea? Like, how do you pick the person? Now, obviously, Jesus is the one that we are going after. And by the way, he even said, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. And I think that made all the difference. I think we are have learned now in our identity where we came from. But that where we're going becomes very elusive. So how did you pick who you picked to try to model? How, how did you... Um, why not like an Elon Musk or anybody else has quote unquote done something great? Why, why'd you pick these characters? I kind of developed a really good understanding of Ecclesiastes and I came to the realization I can pursue anything like that. And I mean, I do still have a little bit. I see Elon Musk as something to uh, kind of pursue to kind of like entrepreneurship and kind of his way. I kind of see that as you can take inspiration from a lot of places, but in saying pursuing a biblical point instead of a worldly thing to pursue, I've seen... I've gotten really into Ecclesiastes and Ecclesiastes. I like to summarize it as the world before Jesus, because first Peter says, I don't know if it's first or second Peter, but it says Jesus saved us from the empty lives passed down by our ancestors and the empty lives passed down by our ancestors was the life described in Ecclesiastes. So why would I want to be living this empty life, this meaningless life? Everything's vanity. The only thing you can do is pursue your work and forget about it. Why would I want to pursue that when I could pursue like the hap like tr 
true happiness that has come from enjoy and the spirit and everything that's come from what what I call the greats have pursued. I guess you can tell me if I'm wrong, David, but like when you were mentioning the example of like the test, Brian, and what you're saying, David, it almost sounds like to connect ourselves because, you know, we can't make it something so external that it has nothing to do with us, but it can't be so internal that it's all about us. It's almost like we're like trying to see like, like there's steps to being ready for the test. And then we take the test, but it's not about the test because it's the person who will be on the other side of the test, like how that whole like process in that last big moment will have changed me into something different or who like more like who I'm supposed to be. Like if we're like chasing after Jesus, there's the process of walking that road and like finishing the race in many different aspects in life. And then how will I have become more like who I'm supposed to be at the end of that? So it's almost like that's the objective is like, who are we supposed to be and how we maybe don't look like that right now, but through like the journey of like, preparing for the test, studying for the test, to even taking the test. It's all that part of that process to becoming more who we're supposed to be and like what we're supposed to look like. So we see ourselves or we see Jesus and then we see that's what we should look like. Well, what are all the different processes and moments that are going to change me into that? And I think maybe that could like kind of be more motivating than the test itself. Like, just passing the test or studying for the test because those are all just different elements to getting to that final point. And I think that's like, can be applied in so many different ways of life in anything we're doing. I think it's important to, to uh, keep trying to define this down to a point. So if we take what we just talked about, Ecclesiastes says just life here, you can do everything most likely written by Solomon, who's the wisest man, and he just discovered all of its vanity. And so how David was saying, here's the bigger picture. I think there's coming there when we can come to the point that what Jesus provides is the pinnacle of everything else. Then once you start pursuing that, and you habits start forming, like David has walked through, you know, the habits and the pieces of his life to help him get to that point, then you start seeing where that gets applied. So you're pursuing him, and then it's almost like he starts placing you into the arenas that other people benefit from. So it could be in ministry, it could be in business, it could be in a civil service, it could be entrepreneurship, but now that pursuit is placing you into a position where other people get to benefit from it. And so I think just to pursue the, the benefit, which we do a lot, you're missing the reason to why you're pursuing the benefit all along. So some people say, I, I want to be this. Like, let's just, by the way, when you watch the movie Whiplash, make sure you watch it on VidAngel. The language is kind of interesting. What's interesting is he was pursuing to be a drummer, and so he sacrificed everything, his relationships, everything to get to that point. So there is a passion in that. But at the end, when you get there, it's almost like he's trying to find his identity. If you only look at it, if you look at it from the metaphor David was talking about, it's 
perfectly powerful. But if you look at it from someone who does not have God and you get to that point, it's empty because you're trying to find your identity in being the thing. Where in Christianity, your identity is in him and then you're placed into positions. And so you could be going after drumming, but your pursuit is God. So it doesn't mean you're you're not going to be almost pursuing two things, but the one becomes the fuel for the other. You you understand the meaning behind it, I guess you could say. Yeah, I want to make it a little clear that I'm not talking about whiplash and wanting to be one of the greats as like a pride type thing. It's like somewhere I want to go. It's not like I want to be this to prove myself or something like that. Whiplash is actually a pretty bad example of what I'm trying to say, but it's also a good example in a very specific aspect of how he pursued drumming with everything he had almost too much, but I don't think you can pursue God too much, maybe, but. That might be the difference is if you add God into the, into the equation, then you find like you were saying, Brian, as you're going further in that journey, things are not empty. Things are not just vapors and pointless. Like there is fulfillment in every aspect of your life. If, if God is that pursuit or if what he's calling you to is that pursuit. Otherwise, no matter what it is, it will be empty. Right. And a good example is in Deuteronomy, it talks about when Moses is having the temple built, it God speaks to him to go find the craftsmen that are filled with the spirit to build. So again, they're filled with the spirit. So that's the pursuit. The outflow of that is in many different arenas. But again, I think we've, we've set kind of in our Western thinking is we know we need goals. So here's what's interesting of all these principles. They work in multi-levels. They work whether you believe or don't believe. Um, habits work whether you believe or don't believe. Um, you can set an objective that I'm going to get to this point and, and you'll get there. I mean, there, there's so many examples of that. But bringing it down where it has some meaning behind it versus it just being about you. And I think that's the part where it says, lose your life, and then you'll find it. And and I think we've maybe not done a great job of celebrating what that life really looks like. We tend we have tended to make it more about when we get to heaven. We've tended, tended to make it more like um, management of our life till we go to heaven. It's learning to tie a knot on the end of the rope so you can hold on as long as you can and then just try to make this life as okay as 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 you can in that journey and i don't i think we've missed something that we haven't celebrated a bigger thing and part of it is we've taken away the power of god we've taken away the gifts of god we've taken away all these very important elements that give meaning to why we're pursuing God, why we pursue Jesus, what he does in our life. And we've institutionalized it that the life of it has been often taken away. I think in this in this podcast and in this conversation, if we can get some direction of how to, first of all, to seek him, and you will find him. 
but we have to know the reward of finding him. And I don't mean like just, I asked Jesus into my heart. That's I'm not referring to that. I'm referring to finding out who he is, what you are to him, what he is to you. You're pursuing that with everything. And that will be the, the springboard to everything else. The problem is the world says pursue these other things and then add that. And a lot of times, even in the church world, we haven't learned how to be strong against that. So unfortunately, a lot of the mainline denominations and mainline institutions have kind of more adopted world thinking. Like we, we've made counseling at a counseling center more important than what the Bible actually says. We know more, have more books about God than we do actually reading the Bible. We don't just sit down and read the Bible, or we've not always been taught that you just can read the Bible and God's going to speak to you through it. It's here's how you have to read it. Here's what you need to do. And then there's always like you, like, for instance, if you read Luke and you don't believe in healing today, it can happen. But if you read Luke, you have to actually turn off your brain to not see in like five chapters. And he went out and spoke about the kingdom of God and healed everyone. And he went out and spoke about the kingdom of God and healed everyone. Then he gets his disciples, go out and preach the, the good news and heal them. Like those are literal action things that you do. But we've removed that, that that's not really relevant to today. We've, we've pulled out the things that make pursuing God the most energetic and exciting. And we've dumbed them down because others have not pursued that. They have not experienced that. So therefore, it may not be there. And so I think we need to add this element of Jesus is more than just getting to heaven. It is the life. It is the thing that you're actually pursuing. And if you pursued that, the other things will take come together. So what are you willing to give up to pursue that? So let me ask this. Um, and I guess there's kind of two parts in what I'm wondering here. Because you mentioned the the craftsmen, the artisans in the Old Testament, that the Holy Spirit was on them to basically excel at their craft. It, The Holy Spirit wasn't on them to heal or walk on water or do other miracles. It was to be supernaturally amazing at their craft, you could say. And I think that's a pretty big example because we don't look at the Holy Spirit as filling people for things like that. We reduced it to speaking in tongues, healing, intercession, or something else. And so I wonder if maybe part of the problem for some people is we've never asked the Holy Spirit or asked the Father, what have you, what have you given to me that to excel in? And then if if we do ask that, I guess this is kind of part two, how do we tell the difference between I know the Spirit is on me to do this versus our emotions of, I really would like to do this. One example I'll give of that is I knew people in college that really felt they had a call to be worship leaders. They couldn't play an instrument and they could not sing to save their life. There was, and I'm not, and there's, there's, there's a, a context to, you know what, you can't judge a book by its cover. So use worldly 
measurements to try to see what the spirit's saying. It was clear to everyone who had the spirit of God, God is not calling you to be a worship leader. That's just what you want to do in your emotions because that's what you've seen as a great calling. And it's very exciting and it's very popular. So how do we tell the difference between those two things? And is is the starting point to even just ask the spirit, what have you given me to excel in? Well, I think in that question, you have to ask yourself another question. What are you willing to suffer to see that come to pass? Because that will weed out most of the false reasonings. What are you willing to give up to see that happen? Are you willing to give up a job? Are you willing to give up time? Are you willing to give up the thing that you love, you currently enjoy doing in order to do this? You will start start finding when it's a deep inner desire, you will start doing it at a different cost. And I think you brought up a great point, especially when it comes to ministry. We've we've sat and watched ministry for so many years, if you're in church world. So who's who's the top of the food chain? How do you be great inside of a church? Let's just say you go to a church and you say, I want to be a great Christian. I, I, I want to give my heart fully to this. Oh, I must be become the pastor. So I'm going to start out becoming a youth pastor. And then I need to find a wife who's a worship leader, because that's a great combination. And that's what we pursue because we've made the thing that we've seen of people that we respect as the highest place versus everyone's doing their giftings, but we haven't celebrated the other giftings. We haven't celebrated uh, being a worker. We haven't celebrated. And here's the thing. The moment I just said that, I even thought in my own head, yeah, but who wants to be just the worker? I want to run the thing. get what I'm getting at? Like, but if you are in this, then you can be more of the picture of Joseph. It didn't matter where you stuck the guy. He was a leader and an administrator in every arena, whether it was in prison, whether it was as a slave, whether it was at his home or whether it was over Egypt, it was all the same. He was doing the exact same thing. So I think we have to remove the external measurements in order to have a clear picture of where we're going. And so let me real quick again, pull back. We initially started talking about habits, but the habits matter when you know where you're going. But the where you're going cannot be defined by worldly standards. It has to be a pursuit of the one who authored you. So in that pursuit of Jesus and are fully giving yourself, there's part of you that dies off so you could start seeing what you're capable of. And that's suffering. And so we have to understand suffering becomes a very critical factor in understanding why it talks about it so much because you're pursuing something. Yeah, I think I've been thinking about this a lot too because... I'm currently in the phase of taking the next step in my life. And I think in the past when I've been like in points where I'm trans- transitioning um, to something like 
I've seen it as like what I know God's telling me to do and I know it's the right thing. But this pastime for this next season is a little bit different in the sense that um, like one thing I, I kind of had like a dream and I remember at the beginning of the dream, like of this journey that I'm going to take on my life at the start of it was Jesus standing there and at the end. And in the past, I think I've just kind of seen it as like at the end of this or like Jesus is in it just generally or whatever. And I think like in the dream, it was almost like, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Secret Life of Walter Mitty and the photographer guy, like he looks at the photo, this portrait of the photographer and he kind of like says like, come here. And it like draws him into the photo. And it was kind of similar in this dream. And I think it was like, I'm really excited for this next step because I saw I was like at the start is Jesus right there. And so every like step in this next journey is like Jesus just following Jesus all the way to the end. And it's not so much about like anything else except for like friendship with God. And I think that can be almost anything in our life is like, look at it and see like, is Jesus like wanting to take that path with me or like wanting me to follow him on this? Because then if you do that and you're chasing after him in that sense, not to like make it in too much of Christianese terms, but I think throughout it, nothing will matter as far as the suffering goes or, you know, different things like that. Like even Stephen, when he's being stoned, he sees Jesus up in heaven. So it's like nothing else really mattered in that moment because he saw Jesus. So I think if we can do that in our lives, when it comes to what we're doing, like look and see where you see Jesus and just follow that. So if you were to, if you guys were to advise someone, you're sitting with them and by the way, I've noticed both in Jason and in you and in Caleb, uh, and I've seen it in David too, that once your heart got thrown into where you want to go, it's like you guys, your whole road went straight. It wasn't like a meandering trail. It's like all of a sudden things just kind of straightened out. Even things that habits that you've been trying to work on all of a sudden make sense and have meaning to where you're trying to go to. And I think the decisions you guys have made and, and many of us have made, they're costly decisions. It's not like, I think I'm going to take this promotion at work. I'm not saying God doesn't lead you into promotion, but it's like, I need to do this. And it you have to actually give up something in order to get there. And I think that's hard to teach because there's there's a fear that if I go do that, what if I miss it? And I think it's interesting when we talk about Peter getting out of the boat and walking on water. And, you know, we sometimes we focus on him almost sinking. The guy walked on water. He walked on water. How did he walk on water? As he saw Jesus, he said, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. Now, Jesus didn't invite him. He had to ask. I want to be where you are. And so he gets out and he starts walking on water. Then he saw the wind, the waves, and all that stuff started to sink, right? Jesus picked him up. But Jesus was with him in that journey. But we talk about stepping out of the boat like, I think I'm going to believe God for this thing and step out of the boat. It's your life that you step out. Like they're in the middle of a storm and he steps out of the boat. Like he could die. But he walks on the water. Like that's where you it, it's um someone said once uh, a trapeze artist was 
trying to learn how to reach the other trapeze in the swinging. And they said, how do you hit it every time? Because you're so high up in the air and there's a risk. And how do you hit it? And he said, the first thing you have to do is you have to throw your heart over that bar. In other words, you're going all out to reach that bar. And I think we have to throw our heart out into what where we're, where we're to go, beginning with Jesus. And everything else starts playing out. You'll work harder. You'll be bent into different op opportunities and it could be different occupations but who you are becomes so established you're driven by that this is what i am this is what i am and this is where i'm going i think that's a really good example because it also kind of shows or it begs the question what are you willing to to walk with god in that you don't have to and what i mean by that is this you look at peter and the disciples in the boat a handful of chapters ago, they were in another boat with Jesus, and there was a storm, and Jesus woke up, and he calmed the storm, and they went about their business. And so in this scenario, with all the disciples in the boat, and there's a storm, they see Jesus, and what all of them do, except for Peter, is they say, well, we'll wait for Jesus to get to us, because he's walking towards them. So they're all thinking, or the implication is they're all thinking, well, Jesus will get here, and he'll probably calm the storm like he did last time. So Peter didn't need to say anything or do anything, but there was something about him that said, I'm not just going to sit here and wait. I'm actually going to ask him to command me to come out on the waves and walk on the water with him. So there was something in him that was not content with just sitting there and waiting for God to come and fix things. There was a different, a different spirit about him where he was like, I'm not just going to sit here and wait. I've got to pursue something. And the only thing I can think of right now is call me out on the water and it might kill me. Like there, there's a different spirit in that. So maybe one question we ask ourselves is, is there anything in our lives that we would not want to just sit there and be content waiting for God to come and change things? Or is there something that we're willing to risk because we know something more is on our heart. And then like you were saying, Brian habits form from that. Yeah. I think, that whole example of that, uh, especially with the trapeze artists, like if you ever try and do, if you ever tried doing a backflip on a trampoline, you'll know that there's like a fear in going backwards. And if you do, if you jump and at the last second you say, nope, I'm not doing it, you'll land on your head and it's super dangerous. But if you give everything and you just go for the backflip, the worst you can do is you land on your stomach. Like, I've never seen someone unable to land on their stomach doing a backflip. Well, there's probably some case out there, but, like, you won't land on your head unless you chicken out at the last second. So let's, let's again, try to bring this back to, because this, this whole topic is really fascinating. In Proverbs, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes... It's a tree of life. And Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And when we're talking about desire, we're not dealing with just the human desire for things. And safety and comfort are not our pursuit. That is provided in him, but that's not our pursuit. Because there's really nothing safe about living for Jesus. There's nothing really a guaranteed comfort 
in living for Jesus. But if you you have him to make those things just better, he's so merciful, he'll help you, but you're not going to connect. You'll still look to natural things to try to solve your problems versus looking to him and then you're inspired to use natural things to solve problems, right? Because we live in a natural world. There's things we still have to do, but there's something different about that. So if you're sitting down talking to someone, they're in the middle of a mess, they're trying to figure out their life, they got all these urgent matters, right? The storm's brewing. They're in the storm. What, where would you tell them to start? Where, where do you start? Like right now, at this point, where do you start? Like Caleb, you made a decision and I'm excited. We'll talk more about it probably in a few months, but you came alive when you made that decision, yet you were fretting over it until you made the decision. But you were just kind of started going through motions of life versus now something is directing you. And the same is true with you, Jason. Once you made a big life decision and plans are coming up and something changed. How do you tell someone in the right where they're at that pursuing, here's how I start. Here's just how I start. So tying it to David last week, he said the best habit to start was reading the Bible. But there's a reason why you read the Bible, not out of duty. And so how how do you tell someone, I need, this is where you start right now? I think, um, well, I think the reason for reading the Bible is, for me anyways, for thinking about it, is because you want to know, like if you, if you don't have like, if you have a fresh relationship with God, you want to know what like Jesus looks like and how he talks and things like that. And I think you learn that through the Bible. You see how God speaks. You get to learn who he is. Like it's almost like this whole DNA of God. And so when you can start to fully understand that and the more you read the Bible, the more you get that, that's why it like comes alive to you. I think then in life you can look at, okay, what are my desires? Like, did God put those desires in my heart? And then, like what I said earlier for this next decision in my life, it was a lot of, honestly, the biggest thing for me before making the decision was fear. And I had all these, like, overthinking, like, things like being worried about these different things, giving up a lot of stuff to do this next step, and all these different things. But I think I knew it was a desire in my heart. I knew that, like it was something that even God wanted for me. And I think that's just been built up over the years of like reading the Bible, interacting with God, doing it in other little things, like start with the little things of trusting God and see how he works in that. Um, and just like have faith and have trust in that. And then just keep working up. And I think you'll see like, he'll prove himself faithful in everything that you do. If you are truly like seeking him, like, you know, in your heart, when you are and aren't, I think you can tell, especially if you have read the Bible, I think that gives guidance to that. And I, I think it's like what I said earlier, it's like, look where Jesus is and follow him. And I think he'll show you that. Caleb, let me ask you this, because I, what was that process leading up to the decision? Like, was it more of like one day you woke up and 
there was this handwriting on the wall and God said, I want you to do this instead of this. And you're going to give, you're going to tell people on this day and this is the date. Or was it more like you noticed at some point there was a desire in your heart, like a seed was planted and it kept growing and growing until at one point you were like, I'm going to be acting on this. For me, there was definitely a dream of doing it in high school. And to be honest, I don't know where it came from. It was just kind of like heard about it. And then it was kind of a thing. Like I was like, I could do that one day. And kind of life led a different direction. I think it was exactly how it was supposed to. Um, And then recently, like just with my current job, not that it was bad or anything, but I was kind of like, somehow it came back to me of like, I used to want to do that. And like just feeling passionate about it and that being a desire to do that. And then I think thinking about it more and more, every time I thought about it, it was like, wow, that would like, it's not an easy thing to do, but I think there was a lot of me like that. Like, that's what I'm meant to do. That would be really fulfilling in my life to do. Like I would feel a lot of purpose in that. And I felt like it was like, certain aspects of my life I had given to God, but I was really reminded of like giving him mind, body, soul, and spirit, like give him everything. And I think that can look different to everybody because some people would hear what I'm doing and be like, like that's not going to affect anybody's life, like all this kind of stuff. They could have a lot of thoughts on it. But I think I knew it was exactly what I was supposed to do. Just build up from years, I think. And I think it wasn't like this single moment. It was just kind of like, being reminded of it and then constantly being reminded of it, thinking of it more and more, thinking of how, like, through it, how my friendship with God would grow deeper. And I think that was the deciding factor. The, the reason I asked that is because I, at least in the past when I've talked to people about this or when this topic comes up, everyone is looking for the burning bush experience so that they can know what that thing is. And virtually no one realizes that that is a terrible example because the burning bush was not the moment where the desire to deliver the Israelites came from God to Moses. It was actually planted in Moses when he was a child. It, it was planted in him when he was young, growing up and seeing his brethren oppressed to the point where he tried to deliver them once and they rejected him. And then he spent 40 years in the wilderness and then the burning bush experience happens, which is, is not the, I, I don't, I wouldn't call that moment God calling Moses to deliver the Israelites. It, it reads more like, okay, here's the time for this thing that's been building and growing in your heart for literally decades now. And it's time to go in and deliver the people. That is what I think a lot of people need to kind of look internally for it. not okay let me drive around if i see a billboard with this sign on it then i'm going to know he wants me to do this maybe that works sometimes maybe that happens sometimes but maybe the question we should be asking ourselves is if i look internally what is the thing that i know that has been a seed planted in my heart some kind of desire that's been there and it's been growing and maybe now's the time for me to take a bigger step in that direction yeah, it's funny you say that, too, because I remember talking to Brian about it, and I was like, I don't know, I just haven't seen, like, any, like, signs, and Brian was like, 
you need to. <laughs> like, it was kind of funny when that question came up because I was like, just waiting for like, you know, something to show up and really like, mm, this is a big light bulb and everything. And I think I just remember after that kind of that question of like, do you need to? It was like, no, I just know that it's like a desire of my heart and there's like peace to go do this thing because I see how Jesus is in it. And I think, yeah, that's huge, definitely, because we're all looking for, like, this big, like, Disney moment where it's like, oh, my goodness. And there's, like, confetti and all these different things. And it's like, maybe it doesn't have to be so big like that. Maybe it's simpler than that. And we're overcomplicating it by looking for more than than more than what God has already shown us. And we just can't. We're missing. Well, and you brought up a good point, because if, you know, generally our normal day of life is you hit a certain age, you go to school, then it's good, quote unquote, it's good to go to college, and then you go get your career, and then you find your job, and then you take care of your family, then you start a family. Like there's almost like a preset cookie cutter of what normal should be. And and the, the problem is Jesus isn't normal. He's not man's normal. There There really is no pattern in the Bible of that happening very different than when paul says hey just let your life just do your work good and let that be an example so i'm not saying go do some you have to go do something spectacular to really pursue god i'm saying if your pursuit is that there's an emptiness in it and what you just talked about of that knowing and you brought up two things. It's like you had a deep desire, you felt God's peace, and you saw him in it. Well, now the cost of doing this doesn't matter. And so I, I again, knowing who you are, and then start discovering where you're going. And you'll you'll be on several of these. You'll do many different things in your life. And I think even when you brought up the example of Moses... Moses is a phenomenal example of here's a guy that was in charge of Egypt at some level, whether it's a general somewhere in that family, he was part of the royal family. So he had a position of power and he could speak well. This idea that he couldn't speak and he had a stuttering problem, that was more out of fear of the people not hearing him, not so much that he actually had an impediment that kept him from doing it. And when the people rejected him, when he first tried to deliver them, then he becomes a rancher in a land that he's not even part of with a people that aren't even his people. They're neither Egyptian nor the um, Israeli. That It's a whole different people. And so he's out there living in a whole different life. But that that desire was growing and he was learning things in the process. Now we could sit and argue did it need to take him 40 years out in the wilderness? Did it need to happen? Maybe God just has a specific timing and it will just magically hit at the right moment and then you'll know. That's We can't make assumptions on that. I think whatever had to happen inside of Moses took the, that time, but it wasn't God holding back, but he still did it with God. I mean, here's a guy that actually conversated with God and told God not to do something and God didn't do it. Like, here's the relationship that was built between Moses and God. So just ponder that for a moment. When that relationship is built, he'll deal with you. But you have this relationship that he becomes 
the deliverer, the most read about, talked about character that the whole Judaic principles are built on the words that he heard from God. So how do you define that? Like how do you, so what was his purpose? Was his purpose to be a shepherd? Was his purpose to be the leader of Egypt? Was his purpose to be the leader of Israel? He was a deliverer. That's what he did. He delivered. He he was the the spokesman with God. He had a relationship with God. So if we get if we let our pursuit of God become the highest thing, all the other activities will start flowing into that. And then you'll know when to go do an activity because you're comfortable hearing his voice and you can see the pattern. But there is nothing in scripture that invites, that we invite God in to help us cope with life until he returns. And he came that we would have life and that more abundantly. And you could be a janitor at a place full of his life and you'll be totally fulfilled. So I'm not referring to the occupation, but at some point, your place of influence will begin expanding, 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 expanding. It won't stay there very long because your influence will keep expanding. Uh, let me let me leave this thought with, uh, this is from Henry, Henry David Thoreau. He says, not only must we be good, but we must also be good for something. So there has to be a for of why you're doing that there's something that takes us beyond ourselves. And at times, you may be in, and when I say wilderness, I'm not referring to the 40 years of punishment that the children of Israel are in, but like John the Baptist going into the wilderness and training, Paul going into the wilderness for two years training. There is a time where it is focused on year development, but in order to be brought back into something bigger. All right, we're going to wrap it up with that. One thing I just like to leave you guys with, if you're at that place where you're kind of wondering what to do, what God's will is for you, what the calling is, and how are you supposed to start developing habits and systems if you don't even know that, instead of looking for a big shining sign from heaven, maybe, maybe ask yourself, what has God put on your heart for years that's been growing and start pursuing that, knowing that you have to be willing to sacrifice things for that. Things that you're already doing will have to be let go. Things that you're not doing, you'll have to start doing. And once you realize what that desire is, then ask yourself, what are the habits and the systems that I can start putting into place that are towards that? And I think that you will find that you're actually excited to start to develop those habits when you do it that way because you realize it's not just something I'm doing because it's the right thing to do, but it's something that actually propels you towards that thing that's been on your heart for a long, long time. And I will tell you, it feels really good. And I'll also tell you, it's definitely not easy and it's painful at times, but we appreciate you guys until next time. Keep the faith, stay in the fight.